On this episode of Scammer Stories, a topic my IT brother has been asking me to delve into. Since he's my biggest fan and actually bought my podcast studio, I guess it's about time I get around to it. This scam can creep up on anyone. Everyone uses an ATM, debit, or a credit card. How often do you think about scammers from overseas lurking there to take your money? Well, maybe on romance scams, yes, but I've got to admit, I don't. That is until this episode. Meet Roger Campbell. He's recently retired with a long history in the FBI that spans more than two decades, including his work on 9-11. And I went to the Pentagon, did some body recovery, evidence recovery there. After that, he moved back to scams. ATM, or skimming scams, was his beat, as we say in my world of journalism. ATM skimming and credit card skimming is a multi-billion dollar industry for the bad guys. So it's not going away. The money was alarming, but what Roger says next should disturb us all. They don't need much time to put on their equipment. My mother got scammed for $350,000 in a romance scam before she died. Roger studied those scams, too. We'll hear that in another episode. First, we begin with how Roger got into the FBI. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and what part of the country you're from and things. Okay. I was born in Canada. I came to the United States when I was three years old. My dad was a salesman, so we moved around quite frequently as he went to different territories. I feel my home is Pennsylvania. That's where my dad and my mom are now. Went to Penn State in the early 80s, graduated in 84 in administration of justice. I wanted to be uh, in law enforcement since I was a young kid. So after I graduated, I ended up getting a job with uh, Lancaster City Police, and that was our hometown we were living in at the time in Pennsylvania. And I worked there for about six years. My last two years, I was an investigator specializing in crimes committed by juveniles. And then I was accepted to the FBI Academy back in 97. And I spent 20, almost 23 years with the FBI, and I retired late last year. I specialized on the 20-some years with the FBI, mostly working fraud cases, high-end fraud, anything over $100,000. And I ended up going to our headquarters element, program managed both uh, counterterrorism cases as well as terrorist finance cases. And then I transferred my last five years to the Norfolk office where I got involved with a lot of the fraud cases that we'll be talking about today, the romance fraud scams, the ATM skimming, as well as the business email compromises, which um, has become a huge, huge problem for law enforcement over the last five years. How did you land in the fraud side of things? When I came out of the academy back in 97, I started with fraud and then 9-11 hit. I was on the evidence response team during 9-11 and I went to the Pentagon, did some body recovery, evidence recovery there. And after 9-11, I thought there was something a little bit more important out there other than fraud. So I started working counterterrorism cases. I worked a lot of the finance since I had a fraud background. I started working a lot of fraud and terrorist financing element of of the terrorists. You know, they always need money to complete their mission. So I kind of investigated that portion of it. And then uh, I worked that for about four or five years. And then I went back to fraud and I've been working fraud ever since. You know, 23 years, I've enjoyed every minute with the FBI. So I had a great career and uh, now I'm looking for the next stage of my life. Okay. So let's start with the ATM skimming. Tell me how that started, how you got first alerted to that. 
Okay. It was back uh, when I came to the Norfolk office back in 2014. The squad I was working was a cyber squad as well as a fraud squad. It was a small office, so a lot of the violations were combined. And our squad worked cyber intrusions as well as ATM skimming. So that was my first exposure to ATM skimming. Now, when I talk about ATM skimming, let me just kind of define what card skimming is initially, and then we'll get more into ATM skimming. Card skimming is the theft, whether it's a credit card or debit card, of that data, as well as PIN numbers. When the user's at an ATM machine or a point of sale, a point of sale being anywhere that you would use a credit or debit card. The card skimming allows the thieves to steal money from your accounts, make purchases, and then sell the information to third parties for the same purposes. And usually they sell that information on the dark web. So as a consumer, you have some control to prevent skimming. Unfortunately, there are circumstances or situations that you can't prevent it. I think I have to go back a little bit in time. Why is it so prevalent in the United States? And that goes to what happened in Europe back in 2006 and 2007. 2006 and 2007, Europe started implementing the microchip on their credit cards and debit cards. And I think everybody's familiar with the microchip. If you look at your card, your, whether it's a credit card, debit card, ATM card, you have that little gold chip on there. You also have on the back side, you have the magnetic strip, which also contains information of the credit card on that magnetic strip. So back in 2006, 2007, when Europe implemented the microchip on all their credit cards and debit cards, that was a little harder for the thieves to obtain the information from that chip. And now Europe in addition to the chip card, they also required a PIN entry for every credit card or ATM withdrawal. You had what they call chip and PIN. You needed a four-digit number and you needed that chip on your card to use. Now, I remember traveling back to Europe in 2007 or eight. My credit card would not work because the United States did not have that microchip on the card. Yeah, I remember it was a problem when they did get it here because half the stores you'd have to swipe and half the stores you'd have to stick it inside. Yeah, you're right. And what happened was when Europe implemented the chip, we had gangs coming from Europe to the United States to commit ATM skimming because it was much more difficult for them to defeat the chip. So back in 2010, 2011, we see all kinds of Eastern European gangs come in the United States just to commit this type of crime. Now, why did it take so long for U.S. to implement the chip? So in order for the chip to be used, the credit card company has to put the chip on the card and then all the point of sales you think of everywhere you could use your credit card has to change the process, change the equipment so it can read the chip. So it came to a point where the point of sale places didn't want to spend the money to change all their machines over to read the chip if the credit card companies weren't putting the chips on there. So it was kind of a stalemate for a few years. What the heck? If I were a victim during this time, I'd be pissed. Fortunately, things changed. The credit card company started putting them on. Then the point of sale were kind of forced to start putting the readers at their end. So it was a huge, huge expense for both the credit card and all the point of sale companies. In the United States, it just took longer for them to make the commitment. However, when the U.S. did make the commitment, they went with the chip and signature instead of chip and pin. Why does that matter? So when you use your credit card, you only had to sign for it. You didn't have to use a four-digit PIN. Now, for an ATM card or a debit card, you had to use your PIN. But a credit card transaction, it was strictly chip and signature. 
So Europe had a much more secure system with the four-digit PIN than the United States. You know what that means. Look at those silly Americans with so much money and no security on their cards. Like me, you probably remember the time when stores were transitioning over to the magnetic strip. It was confusing. I felt bad for store workers, and it took a while before all the stores were uniform. When is the last time somebody looked at your signature and compared it to the card? Never. I have given my credit cards to my kids, you know, to make a purchase for us. I don't know whether they sign my name. I don't know whether they sign their name, but the, the sales always go through. Yeah, I'll send my credit card with the guys at work to buy them lunch. It's a pink credit card with my female name on it and their mail. Right. The United States thought that the chip and signature had a little bit of security with it, but it really didn't other than the chip. So all these gangs started coming to the United States because we were still using the magnetic strip. So that's 2006 when Europe implemented, these gangs started coming early 2010, 11, and it created a huge problem. We still hadn't gone to the chip yet. And a lot of ATMs, you can still use just a magnetic strip. And if you slide your card in, there's something wrong. If it does read the chip, if there's something wrong with your chip, it defaults to what's on the information on the magnetic strip anyway. The thieves know this. So they thought this is the ripe area for them to commit fraud. I know you want to know what they use. He's getting to that. There's several kinds of skimming. Roger starts at the ATM. So again, that was 2012 when I first got, 2012-13 when I first got involved with my first skimming case. And it was a European group that came through our area, hit probably 20 or 30 ATMs for probably hundred dollars to $200,000 within a couple of days. That's how I got involved in the investigation initially. ATM skimming to me is probably the most intrusive to the victim because what they're doing is getting into your bank account, removing money from your bank account. When you see actual losses in your bank account, and then the bank has to do an investigation before they determine that you're not at fault, then the money is replaced, which is totally different than fraudulent use of a credit card. So we'll get into the kind of the difference. So ATM skimming, what they need to do is capture your magnetic strip information and they need to capture your PIN when you go to an ATM machine. What they do is they use what we call overlays. Whenever you go to an ATM machine, you kind of notice that green translucent card reader. A lot of the machines kind of have that, and it's kind of lit up at night. That's where you slide your card in. So what the thieves started doing was creating an overlay, a piece that looks identical to that to fit over top of the card reader. And that part that they put over top has electronic device that will capture the information from your magnetic strip when you slide it in. To get money out of your account, it's a two-part process. They need to capture that information on the strip and they need to know your PIN number. So they capture the PIN in one of two ways. One way is they built another overlay they put it over top of the keyboard that you can't tell. It just fits right on top of the keyboard that's there. And as you enter your PIN, it's capturing those four-digit numbers. Probably the method used more often is the micro camera. They will place a micro camera above the ATM, maybe in a light fixture, or they'll put it kind of up to the right-hand side in a piece of metal that they'll fabricate to put over top of the metal in the ATM machine that points down at the keyboard. Now, as you slide your card in, that information is captured by their overlay, and then they're capturing you putting in your PIN number. So once they marry up that PIN number and the information of the card, what they do is they take that information and they create clone cards with your bank account information on it. 
And these clone cards, they don't have to look like a normal ATM card or, or a debit card. I've seen they put that information on a gift card, the strip of a gift card. As long as when they slide it into a regular ATM machine, it's reading that magnetic strip, regardless of what the card looks like, which has your bank account information on it. They enter in the PIN and they start withdrawing the money from your account. And ATMs, you know, a lot of them allow $1,000 a day, $800 a day of withdrawals, and they'll keep withdrawing that $800 a day or the 1000 whatever the maximum is, until the bank flags it as fraud or you're out of money in your account. Some accounts, you know, they might spend a week, you know, getting $1,000 a day or $800 a day. So they might get 15000 from one account before it's flagged or before you're out of money. Once they obtain the information and the PIN number, what they do is they work in cells. A lot of times they'll send that information to a adjoining city or adjacent city 10, 20, 50 miles away. So the cash withdrawals are not done where they have the skimming device. The area in Norfolk where they put the skimming devices, Norfolk, Virginia, the cash withdrawals were made in Washington, D.C. So they sent the money and the cash withdrawals were made in D.C. So they work in several cells at the same time, you know, each cell doing a different portion of the fraud. These groups generally run the whole East Coast. Our group started in Florida, made its way all the way up to New York. When they went through our area, we captured a lot of information. We are able to identify some of the people, but it takes time to locate them because they're almost like nomads. They constantly move from hotel to hotel. But you know, this one gang was able to get almost $2 million from one particular bank in a period of about seven months. So that's how profitable it is for these guys. So can the regular person like me spot the overseas? Mm-hmm. They're hard to see, but what you can do is every time I go to an ATM machine, you grab that card reader and you shake it. If it feels loose, any movement in that card reader, there's a good chance there's an overlay. What they do is they glue it over top of it. So you have to kind of pull it pretty hard to break that glue seal. If you'll pull it hard enough, it will come off. You don't have to worry about breaking the original equipment. The original equipment is pretty solid. So if you're shaking the card reader of a legitimate ATM, you're not going to break it. The other way you can protect yourself is to cover the keyboard when you're putting in your pin. And I, I'm sure you've heard that because you might be worried about somebody behind you in line. But what you have to worry about is the camera above you. And so if you're putting your hand over top as you enter that pin number and that camera's not able to capture that four-digit pin, they're not going to be able to get money from your account. So I always tell people, shake the card reader a little bit and then cover the pin. Now, if they happen to use an overlay over top of the keyboard, you know that's a little different. You may not notice and they will capture your pin. Now, the technology is getting better and better. You know, originally, these skimming devices were all overlays. They would have to make these molds, color them, you know, for the proper color and put them on. So sometimes you could notice a little bit color variance in the overlay. But, you know, over the last couple of years, the technology getting better with 3D printers are able to print these overlays a little better. They get all the electronics from China and the electronics are so small today that they put on this overlay that capture your credit card information when you slide it in. Now, when you slide your card in, you don't know that it's capturing it in the overlay. Nothing is different for you as you withdraw money from that ATM. So there's nothing in the functioning of that overlay that would lead you to suspect 
that the overlay is on there. Unless, you know, it's not lined up perfectly and the card kind of is a little tight getting in, you know, something like that might alert you to it. But they're doing such a good job now with the equipment that it's very hard to notice. Now, since a lot of the overlays were being identified by bank personnel going out and checking their machines or by other consumers or customers shaking them, they came up with a different type of device to capture the information. What they called it was a deep insert skimmer, and they would actually slide it down the slot. They slide it down the slot where you put your card in, so it's totally unnoticeable from the exterior of the machine. So you slide your card in, it's actually reading it from inside the slot, and you pull your card out, get your money, and you're on your way, and you don't even realize the information was captured. Very, very difficult. And you know, as the technology improves, originally they had to come back and remove these devices from the ATM machine because it captured on kind of a hard drive on a storage unit within that overlay. You know, after a couple of days, they come back, remove it, download the information, and then they go to town withdrawing the money. So they have to find a kind of a rural ATM then because they'd be spotted. How long? I mean, it takes, what, a couple minutes at least? I've seen video. You know, once the, the bank determines a skimmer or a skimming device was placed on their ATM, you know, they go back and look at the original video when it was placed on there. They can place the overlay and the camera on an ATM within 30 seconds. So, you know, all they do is they might come at 10 o'clock at night when there's nobody around. They put that on there. Then the next morning when people start using it, they're capturing all that information. After a couple of days, you know, they'll come back and remove the overlays, download the information, and then create the clone cards and start withdrawing money. Here's an idea. It may not protect you completely, but it can only help. I tend to go into ATMs that are inside the bank more so than outside. Chances are there's not going to be a skimming device on an ATM in the bank. I try to look for one with the lock vestibule that you can go in and the ATM's there. But I've seen ATM skimmers placed on those ATMs as well. I've seen them placed on drive-up ATMs. You know, it's difficult. The ATM use has got to be going down because people use less cash. I mean, is this technology going to be obsolete? That's a good, very good point. You know, as the technology gets better for things like Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, where it's just tap and go, that will hopefully alleviate a lot of this problem. You know, they use radio frequency for those tap and goes, whether you go up to the Apple Pay in the store and just hit it. It's a radio frequency. That's a little harder for them to beat. I'm sure if ATM skimming goes away, they'll look for a way to beat the RFID connection between your your phone and the Apple Pay because they're always looking for ways to steal. Because one method is shut down, they will look for ways to steal from the next newest thing. You know, when Europe went to the, the microchip, there's something now called the shimmer which is, again, is, is placed down the slot of the ATM card reader, and it is able to read the information on the chip. If the card has no information on the magnetic strip, if everything is stored in that chip, that shimmer can read the information on the chip. For the overlay, it was about 30 seconds, but put it inside has got to take a little longer anyway. These shimmers and that deep insert skimmer are so thin and so small, they can still put that in that slot within a minute. They don't need much time to put on their equipment. And now they're also using Bluetooth technology instead of having to come back every two days to remove whether it's the deep insert skimmer or the overlay that has all that data on it. They can sit in the parking lot of the bank and as somebody uses it, 
It can be Bluetooth to them. And so they don't have to remove the skimmer. Skimming device can stay on there as long until it's detected. I could see that sticking around a little longer than the ATM. Yes. Gas stations, most people use credit cards as opposed to a debit card at a gas station. You will not know if there's a skimming device on a gas pump. What I found when I worked a couple of the cases on gas pump skimming, I found out, which kind of floored me a little bit, the panel that you open up to get inside the pump is a universal key. One key will open up almost every pump. And so once these bad guys get a hold of the universal key, which is not hard to get, they're able to open up all these gas pumps. And the skimming device is actually placed inside the gas pump. They attach it to two wires. They can do it again under a minute. They open up the panel, pop it on, close the panel, and you will never know it's there. So there's not a whole lot of defense against your credit card being captured at a gas pump. I'm curious. I use a credit card at the pump, too, but... I didn't realize most people did. Do you know a reason for that? This is kind of my thought process is. If you use a debit card for all your purchases, you're entering your four-digit PIN and the money's coming directly out of your bank account. So if they capture that information and they start removing money, it's coming directly out of your bank account. Now, if you use a credit card and they capture that information, they can create a fraudulent credit card and start making charges on your credit card. And you can call up the credit card and say, you know what? I looked at my statement. None of these charges are mine. I don't know where they came from. And the credit card companies can only hold you responsible for $50 in losses on your credit card. Most of the banks and credit card companies will waive that $50. And so I look at that as it's a lot less intrusive to me to get my credit card information stolen than it is my debit card. So I will not use my debit card anywhere. Um, I will use it in ATM machine if I need money, but I'll go into the bank or into a vestibule, the safest place I can see. But I will not use a debit card for anything because I do not want to give the criminals access to my bank account. I just started using a credit card for the first time for everything maybe a month or two ago, and it's amazing the credit card points you get too. I'm like, why haven't I been doing this all along? <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting because there's some people that may have got themselves in credit card debt in their life, and they said, you know what? I'm oh, getting yeah, rid of all why. credit like, cards. <laughs> and they, you know what? I'm only going to buy what I can pay for at the time. And a lot of people think that way. That's right. I went through an awful divorce to a gambling addict years ago. And it took me until now to actually get my credit back up. If somebody comes up to me and says that, my response to them would be, I would get a credit card with a low limit, maybe $100, $200, anything you feel comfortable that you could pay off in a month's time and use that credit card for those type of things. Because again, if the credit card information gets captured, it's not a big deal. You know, you call the bank and they'll issue you a new credit card. You'll probably have a credit card within two or three days back at your house. That's exactly what I did. I got a credit card with a $300 limit that I quickly spent on a single income with a 1950s home that I bought to renovate. But I got there. If you lose money out of your bank account, the bank has to do an investigation themselves. It might take them a week or two or three before they'll replace any money that was removed from your account. It's so much safer. Here's another reason I didn't use credit cards until recently. I was raised to think credit cards were bad. Only people who didn't have money used credit. I was trying to get my life back on track and didn't want to get myself back into the position I was in when I left my ex. Now my thoughts on credit has changed. Just to let your listeners know, ATM skimming 
and capturing credit card skimming is a multi-billion dollar industry for the bad guys. It's not going away. So whatever the newest thing, whether it's Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, or whatever the newest avenue for us to pay for things, they will look for a way to defeat it and they will find it. Money and opportunity is too great for them. We will always have this problem. And if there's not skimming, there's hacking. How many news stories do you see out there on that? Even if you're using your credit card at a point of sale, all the data breaches, whether it was the major chains, Home Depot, Target, you know, they're capturing your uh, credit card information. Again, I would rather have my credit card information captured than my debit card information captured. So, you know, again, once the data breach happens, a lot of times whoever stole that information sells it on the Internet. And then people create clone cards, start making charges all over the world. And again, one phone call to your credit card company or to your bank that has a credit card and all goes away. How much skimming does it take for a bank to contact the FBI? There's not a really a threshold, but the U.S. Attorney's Office, depending on where you're working out of, usually has a, I want to say $100,000 loss total before they will dedicate their resources to the prosecution. But there's no amount. I've been contacted when a bank had $20,000 in losses from skimming. But normally, even if it's only $20,000, usually we can tie this to a ring that has hit a lot of other areas, a lot of other cities, and then the total just builds from that point. You know, $20,000 from your local bank can turn into a $2 million case nationwide. The FBI will look at it as much as their resources will permit and make that determination to move forward. I did find a picture of a skimming device, and I put that on the Facebook page. Go to Scammer Stories. And a little bit of good news from my part of the world. Just today, I learned that the U.S. Attorney's Office here in Oklahoma busted a Nigerian now living here who was laundering money for romance scammers back home. I've got those details on the Facebook page, too. Until next time, Scammer Warriors.